This is UKFI Pod. Welcome, y'all. As the first UK specific FI podcast, UKFI Pod aims to bring you stories and introduce you to characters in the UKFI space. Hi, everyone. I'd like to welcome today Emma and Robert from What Life Could Be. Hi, guys. Hi. Hello. Hi there, how are you both today? Pretty good. Very good, thank you. Great. So I could introduce you myself, but I thought it, what would be really interesting is to allow you the opportunity to, to introduce yourself the way you want to be introduced to people in, say, a minute. Oh, a minute. That's really stressful. Okay. Um, so we are a couple in our mid-30s. Um, I'm from originally from Scotland, and Robert is originally from Romania. And... We met in Germany, lived there for 12 years, and moved to Romania a year ago to Robert's hometown. Uh, we fired in 2015. Uh, we're actually FI before we realised, became FI before we realised it. But yeah, so that was a nice surprise when we finally found out. Wow, that is an interesting story. So how did that come about? Did you run the numbers one day or see an article that made you think that might be interesting? Or Yeah, so... Basically, uh, oh, uh, yeah, I'm uh, Robert um, and Emma's husband. You, you said I should introduce myself the way I, I'd like to be introduced. Let me think. I'm the most attractive, intelligent, muscular, uh, yeah, uh, the greatest FI blogger ever. No, yeah, so coming back to the question... So basically, we we have some uh, investments in real estate, and uh, well, we have some uh, some loans, and we finance them, of course. And basically, the original idea was that once uh, those apartments are paid off, uh, we can live off the, uh, the. And I basically never calculated or factored in the fact that we have some savings, we have some other investments, and. Basically, that those savings could bridge the time until basically our tenants pay back the apartment. So basically, I just sat down and made a simulation of okay, for how long? A simulation. This sounds quite complex, Robert. Not 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 the simulation. I basically estimated how much money we need to live in the next I don't know five to ten years per per year. Uh, and how much savings we have, how much time do we need until the, the apartments are paid off with extra payments uh, and so on. It's just basically putting numbers in some columns that, that make sense uh, beside each other, right, and and see what, what comes out. And uh, basically the day I, I made it, I realized that basically around that month or so, we should be mathematically uh, FI, which was really? a bit funny. Serendipitous, and, isn't it? And... Actually, I had the feeling that, okay, I'm, I like to be optimistic about numbers sometimes. That is, yeah, who I am. And then Emma comes around and runs numbers again. And mostly she's, she pulls me down to earth, right? And says, come on, uh, you're too optimistic about stuff. So, uh, and then and complains that I'm being yeah. miserable in a party for her. Oh, <laughs> so negative. So yeah, I try to put, you know, conservative estimations and so on. And then once I felt that uh, it should be okay, my number should be okay, then I present, made a presentation and let her uh, think about the numbers and estimations and everything. And once she said, oh, that, that makes sense, uh, then, um, yeah, then we decided we're fine. Yeah, that's quite impressive. Such a cool story. And... Cassie, you guys have kids as well, don't you? We do, yes. I like to say that I was FI a year before Robert because I was on maternity leave for <laughs> <laughs> that whole year. Um, yeah, we have two kids. Talking of kids and FI, the fun fact is that we're FI about a year before, a year sooner because of we're, we have kids. What? That's... Yeah? I think that... you need to explain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, basically I made a calculation of how much money we spend on kids. A blog post about it, and actually ran the numbers and gathered all the numbers because we track our, our expenses for for years and years, and we track our expenses on on kids just like in any other thing we're we're spending on. And it, it turned out that uh, 
the first four and a half years since our first child was born, uh, we uh, basically made a profit of about 30,000 euros in Germany. <laughs> uh, that sounds really, really harsh. It's really horrible. Yeah, it, Have kids, a... you'll get to FI quicker. <laughs> yeah. But just it's... out like that, I have to add that caveat in. Um, no, to, to what... be, I, I have to, I have to finish that, that thought because, you know, people might start making kids uh, uh, just to become a fire, which don't. Or they might call don't. social services, which is also <laughs> not a good idea. Please do not make kids to become a fire. The, 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 the whole story has, a, has another side as well. So basically, I, I didn't factor in, obviously, in that calculation, the fact that uh, Emma uh, have an income. Right. Yeah, but purely on the expenses and tax breaks, tax breaks and child benefits and so on, which is at the beginning in Germany at least very, uh, very significant. Um, especially if you if you're like a normal, you know, if if both of the the parents worked, had normal salaries or maybe above average salaries, then the, the benefits are higher as well, and that that does make a difference. And if you factor in that we don't spend a lot of money on on anything, we just live simple and, and frugal. We don't buy new furniture, uh, don't buy a, quite a lot of new fancy clothes for the kids, and so on. So yeah, if you add that together, uh, then yeah, uh, we made a profit on kids. That is amazing because you always hear people saying kids are expensive or can't do things because of the kids or financial independence is not a possibility because they have children and you are just proving the opposite. <laughs> kids can be really expensive because there is, if you go with, believe all the marketing hype out there, there's a whole industry saying you're a bad parent if you do not get your kid this and this and this and this and this. And by the way, that would be 100 quickly yeah. um, or more. Yeah, and on the long term, kids could cost quite a lot of money. Yeah, uh, if we're still at the start. From just purely financial point of view. But you know, the, I think the problem with the kids or the challenge with the kids is not the money side. No, <laughs> I have many other challenges. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> So I suppose while we're talking about money, can we go into, I suppose, your I suppose, financial details and the context behind the numbers? So what you're able to share, specifics or general, on sort of income details now, historical, what line of work you were in, where you are now? Just so people can get an idea of who you are. I know you've mentioned working in Germany and being in Romania and being British yourself, Emma, so where, how that all fits together. <laughs> how, yeah, how you got where you are now. Um, well, basically... After I left university, I got an internship in Germany with a translation company and I expected to be there for three months. Um, and the three months turned into 12 years because I kept extending my contracts and then getting permanent jobs and whatever. Translators in Germany earn basically about the overall average salary of all Germans. It's like a pretty average salary. It's, there's not a huge amount of money in it, but we weren't on the breadline either. And I did that for over 10 years with a couple of breaks for maternity leave. It wasn't very exciting. So you were earning an average salary then, but you were yeah. spending really not much, I'm getting. Yeah. It's the classic frugality story. Yeah, my uh, story is that I, I started, actually I started working uh, about a year later than, than Emma. Um, I worked as a software developer um, and... Uh, Quite from the beginning, I, I always had side hustles and, and I had some other customers. I did some small website projects. And after I found the job where, where I had a quite small salary compared to, to other developers, I had a quite <laughs> salary. I, I managed to, to make other, other customers and uh, basically I was forced to be self-employed. And this is what basically changed my life in a massive, massive way uh, because... Uh, and not just had the possibility to have side hustles, but I was forced to have other customers than my so-called employer, which was my main customer. So, yeah, I uh, worked in the uh, online marketing and IT uh, field for ages. And yeah, I always were out to kept my eye to open for my eye open for side hustles. And I tried several completely different things to, to earn money with uh, 
uh, things that, that interested me and uh, wanted to try them out. And uh, they turned out to be uh, quite interesting from a financial perspective as, perspective as well. And even today, uh, when I, I don't really need that, I, I see possibilities. I see projects that, that make sense for me. I believe in them. I want to do them because uh, they have they make the environment better, they make communities better, but they also make money. Yeah, I keep doing these. Wow, so that sounds like you initially took a job, but it wasn't very good financially, and that just forced you to look for other options of making money. Uh, the story was a bit more complicated than <laughs> that, but, but uh, the, actually the, the job uh, um, got, got better as well, so they uh, um, uh, they paid me better, and it was, my, my salary went, went up a lot. I, I'm not complaining with uh, oh. <laughs> Turned out. <laughs> and you also mentioned in your intro that you guys are into rental property as well. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure into is the right word. I'm not really enjoying it at the moment. But, yeah, we have um, six rental properties. Um, yeah, sometimes managing those from Romania can be a bit difficult. They're, uh, all the rental properties are in Germany, in the place we used to live. Um, yeah, and that we just found that that was an easier way to invest. I, I don't know, it's easier to understand for me. A lot of the people in the FI community, you find they're either very strongly real estate or very strongly index funds. And I think I prefer real estate because it's easier to understand concept. I just find it easier to understand um, and how it makes money, how it works. Yeah, but as you mentioned, you said you're finding there's a bit of additional work with it. or it, The actual work is fine. It's just, it gets a bit monotonous. It's not fun. Yeah, that's the problem. It's, <laughs> so it, it's little little work with it, but it's not fun at all. It just it has to be done. Yeah. And it's sit, the papers yeah. sit there on my desk and I think I have to look through these accounts. I have to look through them. And then, and then you have these asshole factors, some of them, that are just basically stupid and, and they just don't do their job properly um, and yeah uh, you have to deal with them you can't change it <laughs> so you use the word factor there is that a bit of a Scottish word you're using or do they use that word in Germany as well no they use Hausverwaltung in Germany um, <laughs> I like the Scottish I translation I never though. Really <laughs> knew what word was and then I asked my dad and he said use factor what, what's in the what's in England what do you call them? The administrator of the building? Oh, uh, they don't really have them as such in Seriously? such a legal way in England now. Well, they have freeholders, which are similar but completely different. So, yeah, for all the English listeners, um, we're talking about the like administrator agent. of the building <laughs> managing uh, all the bills, all the energy consumptions, and uh, splitting all the bills and... Uh, yeah, things like that. Yeah, it's interesting how every, these words... Every building has one. Do they, in Germany? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Almost. 95%, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You could buy an entire building and do the whole thing yourself. Exactly. But, um, yeah. That's not for us. <laughs> so do you think you'll, in future, expand your German real estate holdings, or...? Probably not. No. I think we're fine the way we are. Um, and it's too late anyway. Yeah, the market... We didn't know it at the time, but we were lucky with the market. Yeah. When we were buying, the market was, it wasn't low, but it was lower. And now it's through the roof and there's no way. I wouldn't recommend anyone to start, at least in the area where we have yeah, our stuff. Not in big cities. I mean, they're, they're in smaller cities, uh, um, there's still potential, but uh, we're, we're not into not into real estate anymore. So I think we've covered a bit of investments and real estate in addition to the real estate is there anything else you invest in or is that your main asset that's our main thing we have some index funds as well and robert has some play money in what you've got p2p lending i have p2p lending it's called uh, linked finance i think it's called and yeah i have some uh, small amount there um and it's quite interesting i like to play with it Oh, are you still getting good returns on it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I haven't calculated it yet. 
Um, I, I want to add, uh, look into in there to see whether everybody's paying his uh, his interest back, and it, it so far looks good. Uh, but the, the the whole concept and the way it works, it's it's very user friendly, and it, it definitely I definitely see it uh, as as one uh, part of your your portfolio, uh, one interesting part. Uh, that is definitely very risky, especially if, uh, I I see it as risky in case of crash. Uh, when people have money to to pay their interest back and so on, but uh, it's it's nice to keep some of your money in there and to learn to learn new stuff. This is why I I, I tried to to learn stuff. So yeah, we have some uh, ETFs. We have some uh, dividend paying ETFs, but mostly most uh, uh, of our stock market investments are are broad market like MSCI World, uh, MSCI Emerging Markets. Um, I'm playing with Russia just because I think it's quite fun. Um, I, yeah, I see it. I see it as very, very undervalued, but crazily risky. Might bother some people. Uh, I own exactly one stock from Russia from a major company down there, which is basically half of the industry or half of the <laughs> Russian market or something. So yeah, it's quite quite interesting. They they pay nice dividends. We don't have bitcoins. You don't. <laughs> you draw the line somewhere. More generally, how would you describe financial independence and the journey going there to a layman, say someone who's interested for the first time? I would say that um, financial independence is basically uh, the state when state is it? Uh, yeah, um, the, the state where. Um, Passive income covers covers your uh, all your expenses, uh, all your normal expenses with with a buffer, uh, and uh, then you don't have to work if you don't want to work. You don't have to work um, anymore, uh, which basically gives you uh, security to do whatever else you want to do, uh, and uh, it doesn't mean that you you have to stop working. It just makes uh, your work and your life uh, better. Uh, more secure, and it gives you freedom to do whatever you want to do. Yeah, I like that de- definition, Robert. Con- concentrating on the security as well as the freedom to free up your time. I suppose that nicely ties into my next question. Do you think FI is something that can be pursued by everyone? Theoretically, yes. Um, I'm pretty sure that anyone. If they really, the conditions are that you actually really want to do it and you're open to it and you're willing to put in the time to learn how to do it and to get your finances in order. So I think in theory anyone could do it. Um, but there are quite a lot of people who are very, who would just, their mind shut down the second you mention it. Or they would just think of all the reasons why it wouldn't work for them and then they don't have to think about it anymore. Um it's it's a quite interesting question uh, around this time because or, or right now because uh, uh, just a few weeks ago or a couple of months ago um, one of the m- biggest uh, or well-known writer book writer um, who writes about indexing index investing ETFs and so on uh, on his blog he wrote a post about uh, how uh, basically financial independence is horse. And uh, everybody who writes about uh, financial independence uh, basically wants to earn money with the website. And, uh, you know, this, this, uh, that, that, that was a bit, he, he went a bit too far. And I, I have a completely different um, opinion about that. Uh, because, for example, if you, uh, if you can't swim, right, mm-hmm. um, is, it, is it possible to learn to swim? And I think, it, of course, it's possible if you uh, go into the water and try uh, swimming and learn swimming, take some swimming lessons. Eventually, you you are going to uh, swim, uh, right? Just because, uh, let's say, I know half of the population doesn't doesn't swim, that doesn't mean that uh, swimming is not for ev- uh, swimming is not possible for everybody. But I think uh, if you set FI as a goal, if you want to get there, you will eventually be there, right? Uh, the problem is that nobody actually sets that goal, and that is key. You have to want to be there. 
But if you have a comfortable life and uh, you have your job, nine to five job, and everybody else around you is doing that, and you're not setting the goal, then yeah, it's you're not going to be a five. Because if you worse towards it, I, I I truly believe it's for for most of the people, at least eighty percent of the uh, of the population, that could be uh, pretty much possible. Good answer. Leading on from that. Would there be some simple advice you'd give for newbies that were starting out on FI? First stages are? Probably just the usual suspects. Check your expenses. Get an overview of where you are financially. Do you have any debt? Do you have any really high expenses that you can eliminate or reduce really easily? What are, what's the low-hanging fruit? And then learn about different types of investing. Learn what the options are and then go for one or two types of investing that you think are for you and read loads and loads of blogs and books and listen to lots of podcasts and ask lots of questions in various Facebook groups because people are really good at helping. Yeah, good advice. As people get more and more advanced, would you tailor that advice at all? And what would you mean more advanced? Do you mean further along? Further along the journey and maybe nearly there? Or um, Well, if you've got your strategy all sorted and you don't need to change anything, you're just basically just coasting along, um, it's definitely time to think more strongly on what you're going to do once you reach FI. Are you going to quit your job? Are you going to reduce your hours at work? Are you going to get a different job? Are you going to quit working altogether? And if you do that, then what are you going to do? You travel? Will you volunteer? Will you... I don't know. Uh, so you're moving more from the financial things to the lifestyle design, the fun bits. Yeah, so once you've one. got the finances sorted out, that's what you have to do first. And then um, once you've got that sorted, then you can think a lot more about why and what you're going to do. My advice would be to start a business. Really? Uh, everybody should start a business. Not, I, and I'm not definitely. I'm not uh, talking about starting a huge company and uh, you know, uh, being the next Elon. Uh, this is not what I mean. I mean uh, things like side hustles. Do something else. Something. Uh, try to have income beside your normal income, and I. I cannot stress this enough. Wherever I, I read about FI groups and uh, blogs and so on, everybody's talking about whether FI is reachable and how is it reachable from a salary. Uh, too little is... Um, uh, people don't talk very much about uh, side hassles and that is underrated by, by a lot, I think. Because they can catapult you. If, if you have a good idea... Uh, it doesn't have to be a major business, but a good idea, it can catapult you to uh, financial independence within uh, maybe a couple of months, maybe a bit too, <laughs> too, too but, but, but a couple of years. Um, and and I, I'm talking from my experience. I wasn't expert in anything whatsoever. Um, I was just curious. I wanted to try things out, um, and and they worked out, and within one or two years that I started my uh, little online business and, and I'm still running, uh, it, it, it was not just profitable, but, but paid all our bills, basically. Um, and the fun thing is that I, I started, I, I tried completely different things, completely different things that had nothing to do with my profession, nothing to do with uh, my, my job or my experience before, completely new things, and they, they worked out incredibly. Uh, I don't do them all uh, now, but they, they're viable. Yeah, so this is my, my advice. Start something. Start a site or start a business and, and have more, more income to have more security. And the other thing is to track your expenses. Know what the hell uh, you're spending your money on um, to reflect on that. Yeah, some yeah. great advice there. I love that, Robert. We're going to do something different, setting up business in a completely different sphere. <laughs> 
than where you'd been working professionally. Suppose when people are on the path to financial independence and have their financials sorted it's, and they're more on autopilot, it's probably the ideal time to do that. Now, moving on to a topic I know that's close to your heart and lots of people tie into frugality is sustainability and environmentalism. What's your policy on these and where do you think we are at the moment as a society? I think we're getting better. I think there's hope for us. It's still the environmental damage that we're wreaking on the world every day is still catastrophic but I feel like it's getting more awareness now and everyone seems to be doing at least something to reduce the amount of waste they're producing or volunteering in some NGO or cleaning up beaches, something like that so I'm optimistic Um, still have a long way to go um, but one of the good things about being FI is that you have time to <laughs> think about these think about these things, time to work out how to make your own toothpaste. Like I do, I'm really into zero waste, so I try to make all my own cosmetics and things. It takes a lot of time, but it's fun. Um, yeah. So how close to zero waste are you? This sounds interesting. I've never heard anybody making toothpaste before. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it's a thing. It really is a thing. I made some this morning. Will the yeah. kids use it? Is it good toothpaste? Or? I like it. It takes a bit of getting used to. You make it with baking soda, so it's a bit salty. I, I'm using it. normal toothpaste, just to be clear. <laughs> yeah, he thinks I'm weird. He also kid, refuses oh. to get a wooden toothbrush. I, I don't think it's, you're, you're weird. I just, I, I just trust normal toothpaste better. <laughs> you want the mint. I just generally don't believe that baking soda is good for absolutely everything in life. Cleans amazingly. Yeah. You can clean with it. You can make. Okay, it's good in hamburgers. <laughs> Zero waste. It, the main problem is food packaging for us. Um, and you have to, at least with us, you have to very, very carefully plan shopping trips to be able to go to a bigger city to get things from places that you know you can buy in bulk. Um, but there's a lot of things we obviously can't get without packaging. Uh, next year we're going to be moving to a bigger city and I'm going to spend some time trying to find non-packaged fresh vehicles. Yeah, because it seems like all the supermarkets obviously package everything to extreme and even markets mm-hmm. tend to still have a lot of plastic around things. Yeah, although they are banning the really, really thin plastic bags in Romania from, I think, January. I think January. I think. Yeah. yeah. So, and they have a deposit for uh, plastic bottles. Yeah, that's going to be good. At some point. I don't know when. Uh, anyway, environment. Uh, yeah, for some reason, I don't exactly know what was the, the trigger. But uh, after we moved back to, to Romania uh, mid-last year, so uh, in the middle of 2017, we moved back, uh, I started observing and, and seeing all the rubbish lying around uh, on the street. And I just, it just bothered me more and more. And I basically, uh, long story short, it just turned me into an environmental um, activist. Really? Um, we uh, spent so much time in trying to change something in this town. It's a small town with like 10,000 inhabitants. Mm-hmm. And they mostly don't give a and just throw stuff everywhere, and the local authorities don't give a shit. And and I don't like that they don't give a shit. And I try to <laughs> give a shit. make yeah. try to make them giving a shit. Uh, so yeah, it's just uh, so that you understand. They 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 clean the streets. They collect all the rubbish from the people. They all this rubbish that put out on the you know uh, on the street, and they take it and ditch it into a pond. Right, mm-hmm. as you do, literally into the pond. Literally yeah. into a f- pond. Yeah. <laughs> so into a pond that's uh, um, beside the pond that I learned swimming in, uh, and I spent more of a lake. Yeah, lake. I'm yeah. talking about yeah, a lake. So yeah, uh, I, I'm very happy about that, and and uh, yeah, I still have a lot of work to do, but. Uh, I really take this seriously, and I talk to the mayor, the vice mayor, the every, every f***ing one involved in this. Try to, they love him. Uh, you must be an activist, and they must love when you come to visit. I try to, I try to set a plan, I, I, like a, a 
I try to identify where the problems are, try to strategically work with all the people and uh, involved and see, you know, see how they can be turned into uh, givers. <laughs> So, You're gonna have so many bleeps in this podcast. <laughs> That's okay. So, yeah. Um I, I I will write a post about this and the whole story uh today after tomorrow actually I'm gonna write it. I'm gonna have some time on the train. But the, uh, long story short, uh from in the last three, four months, uh the year over year selective rubbish that was collected in, in this town, like plastic packaging and so on, basically doubled. The year over year, uh, basically, uh, and this difference in, in in growth was only from March, April, May, when basically I I started this whole campaign and talking to everybody, um, and you know this. I, I know some people think or believe or would say that oh it, it wasn't me, but but I somewhere deep inside me I want to believe and I know that it was. Has to do at least part of it has to do with with uh, what I was doing um, and my campaigns here and everything. So yeah, I have some. This is something that really makes me happy. Uh, that that one person uh, with the right amount of uh, enthusiasm <laughs> could could change stuff, could yeah. change um, and a sustainable change. I love that. Yeah, especially how you're now FI and you've got the time to spend on it. Have you ever considered standing for a local office under a green banner or something else? Uh, no. Uh, I I could even have chances uh, or had chances. I'm not sure if I still have chances. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, it's not impossible. It's entirely realistic to, to be high in the, in the local council over here. But I... I just don't, uh, these, these people who live in this town, they just don't deserve, and just don't deserve normal people, uh, good people to have, uh, to, to, to rule their, their country. They're, mostly they're quite, quite stupid people and they don't want to change. This is the reality. Um, I, I hate to say that, but this is it. So I'm only interested in, in some specific things that I want to change. Uh, and, uh, I, I just don't believe they, their quality of life has to be improved in any way. They just, and I don't enjoy doing everything. I usually do specific things. So this is why the answer is no, I'm not going to run for mayor. But you'll be happy being a progressive activist on the environment, being the thorn yeah. in the side. And... That vision right now. <laughs> and that is great that you've now got the free time and the enthusiasm to do that. I might become environmental minister. <laughs> See? <laughs> How many votes do you need for that? I, like. I don't know. <laughs> of the whole of Romania, or just yeah, the of, of the whole of the whole of Romania? I mean, yeah. Oh dear. Um, I'm not moving to Bucharest. <laughs> <laughs> if, if that job can be done remotely uh, from my pajamas, then. Uh, Did then, you then see in Sheffield one of the local councillors, a green councillor, got voted in as Lord? What's his turn to be Lord Mayor? Mm-hmm. of Sheffield and he's absolutely hilarious his what do they call it inauguration photo is him and his Doc Martens standing on the banister of Sheffield Massey <laughs> Town Hall with obviously his mayoral chains on he's hilarious oh, have to look at that but yeah. he's a he's a green and he's obviously very anti the trees and all the challenges on Sheffield at the moment mm-hmm. I think he should be your role model Robert yeah <laughs> So as I was moving on from environmentalism, now with all your free time, what sort of hobbies and interests do you have? Robert collects rubbish. <laughs> Seriously, he drives. He what uh, goes around town. We have bike trailers. We don't have a car. Um, where we live is totally flat. We cycle everywhere. And in Robert's bike trailer, he always has a couple of bin bags and a pair of gloves. So that. Whenever he's cycling around town, he sees a big patch of rubbish. He can go and clean up. It, it's funny because people think people in town in, in this town they, they obviously don't know our story and what we do and why we actually moved back to bloody Romania from Germany. So we must have some 
problems, right? We must have some financial problems. We did probably didn't make it in Germany. So that's... We did something bad or in Germany bad, so, yeah. and we wanted by the And we're collecting rubbish, so we're very, very suspicious. Uh, so they are very confused about us. Yeah, it's not. We're not normal. No. Um, other hobbies we have. Um, I've got really into all the zero waste stuff, trying to make my own stuff. Uh, we started Firehub with other people who came to our financial independence week Europe meetup. That's another hobby actually. Yeah. Uh, organizing meetups. Yeah, that takes up quite a lot of my time actually. Because the other organizers all either have jobs or kids or are out collecting rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> so I spend quite a lot of time on maintaining it, keeping it going. The idea originally was just that there should be a home for information that's relevant to people in Europe because we were all sick of scrolling through articles about maximizing your 401ks and how to do a boss IRA ladder and how great Vanguard index funds are that we can't pay. So we thought it would be good to have a place for Europeans and we started collecting blogs and collecting some information for the wiki. Their wiki is currently on uh, parental leave. <laughs> Our, the main guy who does the wiki is on, we call him on parental leave. Um, but there will be more information coming on the wiki in the next month. At the moment we're just trying to get Firehub up and running and getting everything sorted. Um, we have some ideas for new features, new things that are going to happen, but we obviously can't tell you about those yet. <laughs> we'll wait and see. I'm always intrigued. And I'm, I suppose you and Robert are probably expertly placed for this because Europe is a continent of many languages. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with that? Do you both speak many languages, I'm assuming? I think there are five of us on the organizer team, and in between us, I think we've got about 11 or 12 languages and then we, we've uh, got these country ambassadors uh, not every country has one um, but we're open to getting country ambassadors for every country in Europe and so they then act as our language masters for example none of us speak Spanish on the organizing team so we have this great guy who writes a blog in Spanish um, he actually lives in Germany and great English as well and he does he knows the Spanish scene, he knows the blog, he gave me a list of blogs, told me to put these on. If anyone suggests a blog in Spanish, I send it off to him, he has the look, says yes or no. Um, so that's basically how we deal with that. Yeah. So how many languages do you speak, Emma? I'm intrigued. I normally say I speak three well and four badly. <laughs> three additional four badly, so seven. Yeah. yeah. And what about your children? Are you raising them multilingual, I presume? Yeah, um, I always speak English to them, and Robert always speaks Hungarian, um, because even though he's from Romania, he's actually from the Hungarian minority, just to make things a bit more complicated. Um, and the kids are born in Germany, so they learned German when they were little. And now they're, they have a few words in Romanian, they'll learn more in school, but at the moment it's only three languages. Uh, to be honest, we live over here. We live in a, a historically multicultural area, so uh, speaking three or four languages is is the standard here. No weirdos. Impressed that you cycle all everywhere. How does that work for you? Um, it's really easy because we're scared of driving. <laughs> <laughs> we both have a license, but have never really used it. And cycling is just easier and less scary, especially because where we live is. Pancake flat. Very flat, so cycling is just the, the normal. Yeah, and you already it's still like. thing to do, but everywhere around us is using uh, using the car, and they have several cars. Just I don't know why, but yeah. So you've just arranged your life to use cycle everywhere, and nothing's that far. You can get from one end of town to the other in about twenty minutes on bike. Max. So yeah. there's not really an excuse to not cycle. And do many of your neighbours cycle as well? or um, Older people tend to cycle. Um, but that's another thing, another reason why we're weird in this town. Um, because people think if we've been living in Germany, we should have enough money to get a car. And the only people who cycle are the people who really don't have enough money to buy a car. Um, so they think that either we 
did something bad in Germany, so we don't have enough money to buy a car, or we're just really, really weird. <laughs> yeah, the people just can't get that you maybe would make that choice. Yeah. Moving on to society, equality, and privilege. What do you think is what society today as a whole? Are we getting to a more equal society? Or do you think there's still definitely some segments that are more privileged than others? I think especially here in Romania, there's an enormous gap between um, the richest and the poorest. And there are people even just living in our hometown, even around the corner, there are people living in places with basically shacks with no running water or electricity or anything like that at all. And then there are also huge big mansions with swimming pools. And uh, so I don't think there's much quality here at all. And I think the reason for that is the, the lack of financial education in school. They, they teach so many things, so, so many things that you don't need for life. But they can't, can't calculate the, you know, they, they don't know what compounded interest is. They don't, when they buy a house, and most of the people buy a house here, right? So like 90% of Romanians are house owners. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they cannot calculate the, the, the finances of, of a house purchase. Um, and they make, uh, just imagine that uh, if, you, if you get a loan here, you get like 7 8% interest rate. And you're talking about, uh, on average, maybe 25 to 35 years of variable interest rates, which basically every, sen- every word of this sentence is bad, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and and you have them all in one sentence, so basically, it's, it, it, they make stupid financial mistakes right at the beginning of their of their career, um, and yeah, this this is why I think uh, the, the the inequality is so so high. But everyone uh, goes to the same school and has the same education. Yeah, I suppose it kind of depends on also on your family background if there are yeah. people. If you know people who can say to you, hey, that's a bad idea, you don't want that 35-year yeah. tracker mortgage, uh, or if your parents are illiterate and that's an idea, that also makes a difference. Yeah. It's uh-huh. scary. So you think more education would help a lot? Well, more, more financial education would help, um, I'm pretty sure. But it's, uh, I actually want to uh, get... Uh, there's, a, there's an NGO... Uh, from from Holland, who do financial education for kids, from small kids, uh, I don't know, seven years already, like seven years old kids onwards until uh, you know eighteen or something, uh, and they have uh, curriculum, they have books and so on, so to, to teach kids about money in a in a in a nicer way, in a, in a interesting way rather than crunching numbers, uh, so. Um, I might do something with them with the local school and and see whether they they want to implement implement it and teach some teachers to to teach uh, the finances for finances for kids. I, I feel very strongly about that, and uh, yeah, hopefully you will hear more about that in our blog. Yeah, I look forward to hearing about that. That would be a really good thing to do. Cool. So I've got another random question for you, if I may. You've mentioned, obviously, quite a lot of locations that you've lived in. Mm-hmm. Um, was what part of your big financial independence plan did it involve moving to Romania, which I'm presuming is a much lower cost of living than, say, Germany or the UK? Um, no, actually, we didn't have any plans to move to Romania at all. Um, that wasn't a factor in becoming FI. Uh, we're FI on our German level of expenses for two years before moving to Romania. To be honest, our expenses haven't decreased a huge amount, possibly because we have more time to do things like travel. Um, we also have grandparents here to babysit the kids, so we can go out, leave the house, the two of us, and go to a restaurant. Um, so our spending on those kind of things has gone up, but we don't mind that because we lives we're enjoying our lives um, and it's not a catch like it's not like a catastrophic amount of spending it's it's balanced and proportionate yeah yeah, yeah but, uh, but i guess for many people it could be a very good option europe europe is 
very, very interesting. You have so many possibilities for geographic arbitrage. Um, earn in the UK and Switzerland, live in Poland and Hungary and uh, um, Romania, whatever, Serbia. Uh, yeah, also very interesting. Um, and uh, yeah, in, in fact, one of uh, yeah the can contractor, uh, the blogger uh, is is doing that. So he's a contractor, works for several companies. Uh, don't exactly know uh, what what he's doing. Yeah. Anyway, but but he's he's using it. He just moved to Budapest, right? Uh, of course, he's single. He doesn't have a family, uh, and it's much easier than, like like that. Uh, but yeah, um, I'm. Uh, be curious to see other other stories of other peoples in in, in our uh, community on Facebook or or on, on blogs to see who's who's doing what geographic arbitrage. Uh, yeah. It's I, I find that very very interesting. Yeah, I definitely have it as my backup plan as well. Knowing if you live in a reasonably expensive place, there's always the option to go somewhere a bit cheaper. Mm-hmm. So my uh, now that you asked about this. Um, oh no! My secret plan. My, I, I'm going to reveal a se- my secret plan. Um, I haven't heard and, of it. And my, my ideal, yeah, community or life is that uh, we we find a very nice place somewhere in Europe, somewhere in Eastern Europe, where it's not so stupidly uh, expensive. Uh, somewhere with lots of nature, uh, and we just start a community. Right. From all a these commune, stuff. yeah, a cult. Yeah, <laughs> start the cult, yeah. Start the cult, the community, and all these people who, who uh, yeah, want to move out of uh, of Western Europe uh, and and do some geographic arbitrage. They, we can start a little uh, village, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, basically live with each other rather than uh, beside each other. Because many people, and I see that everywhere in in UK as well, in Germany, we definitely had that. You don't know your neighbors, right? Hundreds of years ago, or a hundred years ago, even less than hundred years ago, people in the small towns they took care of each other. There's a lot. There was a lot of okay, I can do this for you. You can do that for me. Uh, here's a bucket of eggs, and you can fix my. Uh, tap or something like that so they, they had a lot more social life and, and interaction and I, I miss that I, I like that I, I'd like to have that so yeah maybe uh, uh, we'll shout out a call for all of the FI people out there to speak on. Uh, in uh, uh, rural Romania we just bought a village <laughs> <laughs> you sublet a plot yeah <laughs> and uh, and there's there's high speed internet, right? See, that uh, is a, the one main thing that I suppose exactly. rural places tend to look like. I like the plan of your commune. It sounds interesting. <laughs> Let me cult. No. <laughs> I have to think of a good name for it. Yeah, it's got fast internet. You'll get most people there. What's your cooking like, Robert? It's actually pretty good. See, you can whip people in with your home home cooking. You're going to cook for everyone, and that's going to be a selling point for the commune. Um, I actually prefer if other people cook, <laughs> <laughs> and it would be a lot more interesting to see to to have uh, a, a different sort of uh, a culturally different sort of meals. Anyway, so I can see the way this cult's work. going now. You'd probably prefer if other people did the cleaning as well. Uh, yeah, we can share. <laughs> clean up all the rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> I will recycle everything. <laughs> I will melt down all the plastic and then 3- 3D print stuff. Yeah, we just need to get technology sorted for the plastic, don't we? Uh, I reckon a good few hundred years we'll be able to sort it off. Until then, it's all sitting in our yard. <laughs> so moving on to the big questions, I'm going to ask everyone. What would you both do with a £1 million windfall if tomorrow you got given a £1 million? No, no catches, it's yours. What would you do with it? Would it change your life? Would you do anything different? Where is this money coming from? What country? Where is it going to be taxed? <laughs> okay. How much of it am I going to get left over after tax? After tax, you got a million pounds. Okay. It was lottery winnings or something. Something non-taxable. I, I know what I would do. Um, 
I will start a foundation uh, and employ lawyers uh, and basically sue uh, as many corrupt people as possible. He's <laughs> worth uh, a million for that. No, because you might win some of the cases and then you know, that makes money, right? So, uh, yeah, just... You have to make you win the first few so that you've got, like, what's the... Lawyers are not that expensive. Sequence of return risk. Sequence, <laughs> sequence of winning cases risk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So any particular sort of corruption that you're against, or...? Oh, every sort of corruption. Uh, oh. Would be nice high level, but uh, yeah, not sure. <laughs> that amount of money is enough for that. Anyway, yeah, that corruption is is pretty bad in this country, and um, there uh, there should be more there sh- there should be more money to to sort it out. Would you do anything different, Emma? Um, I like the idea of foundation of something where you don't just spend mm-hmm. the money and it's gone. I would probably do something different with it though probably there's some kind of education or mm. I like the idea of providing things that help with zero waste that people couldn't normally buy things that people don't have if really really poor people don't have the money to buy something costs quite a lot up front but that will save them in the long term um, I think that's a good idea and also just general stuff for education, maybe bursaries for kids to go to university. The other thing I could do is to buy a village. <laughs> then the money's <laughs> You'd have to rent, buy the village and rent it out to... It's one way of choosing your neighbours, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know why nobody has thought about this. Uh, I think they have thought about it. They've just maybe been supplied with lots of cases of people trying to do it and it didn't go so well. Yeah. I think that they fought failed in governance and the shared aim wasn't maybe enough to live together for years. There are some good examples though, uh, so I'm, I'm optimistic it could work. I like it. I like your idea. I'd like to see your rules and conditions. And uh, the, the thing is, the, the thing is that you don't necessarily need uh, need many rules. I mean, I'm not talking about uh, some. Uh, uh, closed community. It's just basically if everybody can live its own life, there are no rules. Uh, it's just that the public would be a bit selected, right? Uh, some, some, uh, you know, a- educated people with with willingness to to do good things, right? And uh, mindful people, right? Um, and yeah, you don't need. Any other rules? It's just uh, people come there to live there, just because they want the right, the same thing. They want to live in a community with each other rather than beside each other. And I think that's that's probably the rules that we need. Nothing else. I like your enthusiasm. Yeah, <laughs> I think you should start. When do we start? <laughs> so I suppose a very high question is: You've mentioned before you have got some FI spreadsheets. When did you last update them? On the first of the month to put in data from the last month. Is that religiously on the first then? I, I updated first it. few days, yeah. I updated about three days ago just to put in the dividends that I that I got <laughs> unexpectedly. Uh, so yeah, it's fun. <laughs> That's good. I always like to know just to see another really random question. People in the FI community tend to like learning and exploring lots of new opportunities and things in any sphere really can you tell us something you've learned lately i learn lots of things really random things um i'm always working on languages mm-hmm. learned lots of new words in romanian and hungarian recently uh, i'm also a history geek i listen to lots of history podcasts um so i've learned a lot of, i'm listening to one called the history of england at the moment uh, so I learned a lot about the uh, rule Henry the Third. What one was he? He was the son of and the father of Edward the First. Ah, right. That's about the most notable. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't do anything amazing, did he? Not really. 
no one it's one of the ones that no one's really heard of like we know there must have been a Henry the Third because there was a Henry the Eighth but no one can really that is cool I can, give, I can give you two examples from two completely different areas one thing was this winter when I learned how to uh, program a Raspberry Pi to control my heating <laughs> and that was uh, both frustrating and 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 a lot of quite eye opener as well to see how much is possible to do with a little piece of technology. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is what I mentioned before that when when I got the numbers from uh, from the town to see uh, how the re- uh, recycling rate uh, changed uh, in the last months, uh, I that was a, a huge eye opener for me to see. Uh, and basically, this is what what I I got out from it, and what I learned is one person could change a huge amount of things with the right enthusiasm. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> and a lot of hard work. That is amazing. And on the other side, from learning things in hindsight, I know I certainly when I look back, I think there's loads of things that I'd have done differently now if I knew what I knew now in the, in the past. Is there any particular things you think you'd do differently? I would probably have studied something different at uni, but the problem is in Scotland we're so young when we fill in our UCAS form, I was, I think I was 15 or 16, um, that I had no idea what I wanted to do and I was just like, I like languages, I'll do languages, um, without really thinking too much about the implications and what I would do afterwards um, and how useful it was going to be. So I would probably have studied something different. I'm not quite sure what, what? but something, I kind of like the idea of studying archaeology with a uh, focus on ancient languages mm-hmm. but that's probably also not very practical yeah i'm sure i'd find something that was a bit more practical well i would have quit my job at that main customer a lot sooner um i should have done that a lot sooner because it was it was a job that didn't doesn't uh, give anything uh, anything to the society uh, it's just some uh, an, an online marketing tool that at the end of the day doesn't uh, give any value. Uh, and I spent eight or nine years of my life working for that, um, and I should have uh, uh, lived my own life and done my own projects that I truly believe in, and that that actually make a change or have some sort of impact in society, some sort of good impact in society. Uh, I would, yeah. If I could go back ten years, that definitely uh, quit a lot sooner and do do my own projects. And financially, that would uh, I would have ended up, uh, uh, yeah, a lot better as well. Yeah, I think it's interesting, and I don't think it ever changed anything about my life. But it's interesting to think if you made those strategic decisions, like at uni or jobs, would your life have been completely different today? Mm. And finally, one of the main drivers for me, and I know lots of people about financial independence, is about designing your life, the freedom and security to ultimately bring happiness. When are you both at your happiest and can you take us to your happy place? I'm basically happiest when I'm doing something that I don't have to do that someone else hasn't imposed on me. Um, so I'm not happy when I am when I have to look through the accounts for one of the flats. I'm happy when I'm... For example, working on Firehub, doing something that I want to do to Firehub, um, or learning languages, or listening to history podcasts, or working in the garden, or making my zero-waste toothpaste. Um, I'm just happiest doing whatever I feel like doing at the moment, and not the stuff that I have to do for a boss or tenants or whatever. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I think we already visited my uh, my app place, that uh, uh, that nice com- FI community somewhere in a forest in Romania. That's with, dream, with, though. That's not what you're where you're actually happiest. It it, it is similar. I, I like to be in in, uh, in in a community. I like to of a of a community and 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 do stuff with them. Yeah, I, I think we uh, underestimate how much. Uh, our community means for us and how happy uh, it can make us. So yeah, working with and for for a community you believe in and you, and you, you love is uh, uh, is what makes me happy. Yeah. yeah, thank you for sharing that. I like the idea of this community. I'm intrigued for you to get this 
come, you know, up and running and we'll all have a look. You can help. You could be the first... Uh, first tenant in your... You did yeah. 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 You're yeah. welcome here. I can turn up and see Romania. Here's an invitation. Come and visit us to see where we are, to see how we live. Uh, and maybe you fall in love with Romania. It is official. I like it. You, you do know why you like to travel. Like rubbish. Yeah, exactly. We're going to go rubbish for <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, that's very kind. I, you're very likely to find me on your doorstep. <laughs> so thank you so much for your time today. If listeners do want to connect with you, what's the best way to get hold of you? Uh, probably the best way is through our either through our blog um, or at whatlifecouldbe.eu or you can email us at wlcbblog at gmail.com Cool. Well, thank you so much for your time today. That was fascinating listening to you. And I'm definitely thinking about your commune now, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for inviting us on. Yeah. Well, it was a pleasure to speak to you both. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. Show notes are on the website www.ukfipod.space. You can also send any questions through the website or email at hello at ukfipod.space. Our intro and closing music is Julian Maxwell's Zia or Freedom. Thanks for listening. See you next time.